0: Derek Delgadio's In and of Itself, Post by Bjork. This is Off the List. Hey, um, welcome back. Welcome to Off The List. Uh, This is our podcast with Ben and Nadira. Um, I'm not Ben, in case you're wondering. I'm Nadira. But this (laughs) is our podcast (laughs) where um, we basically hold each other accountable for listening to music and watching movies. Um, And this week, our movie, if you could call it that, is in and of itself. And our album is post by Bjork. Bjork. We are going to start this episode with... The film this time in and of itself
1: yes the first thing I want to say as someone who just watched this is if you have not watched this film yet yeah. please skip this part of the podcast please please skip it like it, I I know that for most movies it's kind of like oh you can kind of hear what no, happens no, no, and then no, enjoy no, no, it later no. but like don't do not that for to this. yourself
0: you okay so here's so here's what I'm gonna say I think you should approach this with no prior knowledge of anything about it and I think you should do exactly what it tells you to do like turn off your phone be completely immersed and like really try and participate as if you were a part of this thing yes is what I'm going to say
1: yes and that I completely agree if you can skip ahead to the album the Bjork album and just watch this at a separate time it really is worth experiencing completely fresh And I don't want to take that experience away from anyone. So with that disclaimer in mind, um, I took your advice. I did not do anything with it. I threw it on. For some reason, when it started, I was like, oh, it's a play. And I've seen a bunch of recorded plays before. uh, The Hamilton play, for example, or the Fleabag play, for example. I've seen those recorded recently. But then it started, and I thought, oh, it's a magic show. Why did Nadira give me a magic <laughs> yep. show, and then yep. and then five minutes later I was like, oh, it's an emo magic show, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, what is going on here? And since we're past the you know area of spoilers here, the basic gist or theme of it is it's this idea of Derek Delgadio, which is the opposite of Bjork because it's not as fun to say, um, is a comedian who has created this theatrical set it's a live recorded theater performance and essentially he is using magic as a tool and as a method to discover and talk about the blind spots within our conceptions of personal identity yeah which i don't think anyone could have expected going into it you uh, everyone walks in and they have to select from this huge thing uh, a reduced version of themselves where it's like I am an idiot or I am a painter or I am a leader something like that and then they pick that and then they have that during the show so you walk in already primed the idea that you are reducing your personal identity down and then Derek goes through all of these stories of his identity and I know that you said this on the last podcast that everyone wishes they were there. But like, Jesus Christ, I wish I was there. It looked
0: I know, so fun. I know.
1: It looked so fun. Oh my God.
0: Especially, I mean, we'll get to this at the end, but especially considering that going means that you could be sitting next to like Bill, Bill Gates. Gates? You know? Oh my God. Yo, <laughs> yo, like, when the camera panned insane. to Bill Gates no. and it
1: went to leader, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So
0: that was, a, you summed it up beautifully, by the way. I think that's a very elegant um, explanation for what it is which is something that is really hard to explain, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think you did a great job. My first question is, you know, the usual, why did you like it and why do you think I chose it?
1: I think it would be hard to dislike this. I really think that you would have to fundamentally be just a doomer or really try super hard to dislike what Derek was doing because the show is just so fundamentally impressive and technically impressive that you really would have to be on something to be like, oh, <laughs> I don't like this. And it, it, it's pretty much how I feel about it. I really enjoyed the experience of getting to watch it and experiencing for the first time. Is this more of a evolution of what a magician show is or like an evolution of like what a theatrical performance is?
0: Yeah, I'm going to say hardline the latter. I don't consider this a magic show. Because I don't think it's about the magic, right? Mm -hmm. I think he uses magic to tell a story or to get us to think about something else. But I don't think it's about the magic. Like, that's not the catch. The catch is not the trick. The catch is how the trick makes you feel or what it tells you about yourself or about someone Mm. that you may have made prior judgments about, right? Including him. So I, I would definitely say I think it's an indicator of where live performance and theatricality is going, which... I do think that this is actually, without knowing much about Bjork, a good a good choice for Bjork in terms of theatricality. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get there.
1: There's something about magic shows where I even my like logical brain doesn't like kind of turns it off, and I'm like, I kind of just want to appreciate the
0: fact that they can pull that off exactly more exactly. so than like
1: try to figure out how they can
0: pull yeah. it. off. Yeah, but I also think it's it's also it's ingenious. It's in, like yeah. this man this man is an amazing storyteller. He primes you. And he also says something that's very important, (laughs) which is, I do not expect you to believe anything you're seeing or hearing and knowing you won't believe me. That's the only reason I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah. Which is like, you listen to that and you're like, what the fuck am I about to watch? (laughs) And so you're like, okay, I'm already now questioning whether everything from this point on, if I'm going to believe it or not, like I'm already questioning because you made me question. Mm. But you also made me question for good reason, because then he launches into the story about the Rulatista. It's an amazing like if that was it, I would have been like, oh, okay, that (laughs) could have been an
1: amazing short play in and of itself. Like that sounds like any normal theater show I would have gone to.
0: And it encompasses everything. Right. So a super effective, minimalist stage design. Amazing sound design. And the story is so good. Like, if you want to know how to tell a good story, and if you want to know that you've told a good story, watch this, right? Because he tells this story and everyone's like, wow, it's so good. Amazing pacing, drama, tension, suspense, everything. Ends it on this weird-ass cliffhanger that you're like, what do I do with this information? Mm -hmm. Then proceeds to, without explanation, in perfect silence, slowly build a paper boat in front of the audience, right? Right. You know that you've told a good story. If you can end your story, do something with zero explanation, that's totally random and have the audience look at you. Like, I don't know, like you're their son and you just graduated from high school and they're so proud. The
1: intro introductory story that he left out or he put in, excuse me, was so critical for roping everyone in. He essentially with that intro story sunk them in and said all right now i can take you wherever i want to go because if he had started out with like the boat or any of the other things like it would have been really hard for him to kind of like bring people along but
0: yeah
1: that's another also aspect of what i think the magic tricks were doing it was it was saying it was impressing people so that he could say okay now that you trust me take another step with me and let's go down this rabbit hole. Let's go down this rabbit hole. Let's go talk about my parents. Let's go talk about this. Like they were all like, they were all devices so that he could keep pulling the audience where he wanted to. Cause those are really difficult areas and topics to talk about with your audience. To connect. Yeah. Especially cold. Cause most of the stories, you kind of forget this as it's happening. Most of the stories are kind of happening cold, especially because the next tricks all come with a ton of tension. All the rest of the tricks, are coded in it it, it really is so incredible how derek was able to just slowly bring people along for what is and should be a really rocky ride and a lot of transition (laughs) that that show should have felt so jarring but it it didn't it felt very seamless that the entire time
0: he also made some incredible points just about life obviously about identity about relating to it and about stories like i think my favorite part of the whole thing besides the the ship's log which is again genius Mm. (laughs) Um, yeah yeah. my favorite part of the whole thing is after he tells that story with the brick right which of course like I'm crying because I'm me and then he's like I'm this is just a brick but I told you that story and I stood next to it when I told you that story and now it's going to be hard for you to see this as anything other than a brick and I'm sorry and I think that that's one of the like most important Mm. things for storytellers to acknowledge right is the impact that their stories can have, the associations that they can make, and apologizing for, you know, like especially when you're sharing something that's traumatic. Mm-hmm. I shared this thing with you, and even though you agreed to receive it, I'm still sorry. Because it's and still it's, a I, lot. Because it's still a lot, and because you're probably not going to forget it, or it's going to permanently change the way you view something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think when I heard that, I mean, the whole Brick section,
1: He's made himself vulnerable. And then now he's going to start calling on people and being like, all right, I'm going to give you a letter. And this letter is going to have a fucking note from the person that you most want to hear it from.
0: Before I had like one tear, you know, when that woman was reading that story, that letter from her father who was dying from Parkinson's.
1: It was such a beautiful hymn. Saying to the audience and giving them the very clear understanding of this is what I want you to watch. I want you to watch someone change. I want you to watch someone's identity shift in front of you. Because everyone has that moment, right? Everyone has that moment of both seeing someone else do it and also knowing that you do it. But to have someone point it out to you makes that even more special because when you recognize it, you're like, wow. That is a really incredible thing that all of us are able to do. The way that we just kind of seamlessly transition between all of these parts of ourselves. And he's just like, Yeah, I'm gonna make you see it in the most yeah. like demented way possible. <laughs> in a way that yeah. in a way that will mind fuck you so hard that you have no choice other than to just allow it to happen to you.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about the biggest magic trick of the whole thing, right? Which is the ending. Which isn't even the ending, which is the most genius part about it. But the part where he then asks everyone who was serious about what identity card they picked to stand up. And he goes one by one and points out their identity. The relief and the emotion that comes over people just from being seen. Oh, yeah. I think is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, like in a film or a TV show or um, a theatrical performance, right? Like the simplistic beauty of someone feeling seen and him being able to give that to them by whatever means the trick was, right, mm-hmm. is so amazing. And then he, Homie had hella celebrities... Homie had hella celebrities.
1: Okay, wait. I'm really curious because I only noticed Bill Gates. Who else was there?
0: You know, uh, DeRay McKesson?
1: Wait, DeRay McKesson like, was there? activist.
0: Yes. He chose visionary. He was wearing his blue vest. He chose visionary. Um, Marina Abramovich. When that bitch showed up and he stared into her eyes, oh. I was like, now what the fuck did this bitch choose?
1: Oh my God. You're right. That She is in there. Holy, man, there are so many people. There, there are so many people.
0: Um, David Blaine. Yeah, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I know that my spirit animal, like in like that phrase, isn't PC. Yeah, whatever the PC version of that is, mine is David Blaine crying. <laughs> mine is David Blaine crying.
1: <laughs> David Blaine watching someone like elevate when his he art walked form. Up
0: to him, when he walked up to him, and he stopped, and they stared at each other, and he just said, "My brother," which is clearly not what the the card said, right? And David Blaine sits down and just starts crying. This
1: is, I think, the most interesting part about it that I had emotionally was I had a little bit of what I would call almost a cynical reaction. The next day while I was pondering it, I had this thought come in that said, nothing he said was really that deep or interesting in the sense that everyone understands that our identities are not fixed, are not standard. And it's a very cliched idea to say that you are more than just what your job is or you're more than any of those things, right? And then thinking about it more, I was immediately struck by how that's the whole point, that it's such a simple idea.
0: I think what's an important layer to add is it's not just like, um, it's not just the way you identify, What he highlights, which is something that I actually don't think is simple, is accepting your identity, partially at least, as the way people see you, right? So when he says, oh, I am the Rulatista, not because he thinks he's the Rulatista at all, Mm -hmm. but because this one guy at a bar in Spain one time, if you choose to believe it, called him the Rulatista and said he was the Rulatista, right? And so I think that that is another important part of it too is like it's not just how you identify it's not just the card you chose it's not just your job it's not just what you do it's not just what you prioritize or what you care about it's also if you are humble enough what other people see in you, which is not always a good thing, right? Like who Mm -hmm. wants to be called the Rouletteista, Someone who didn't care enough about life. So they decided that they wanted to go play Russian roulette multiple times, right? Mm -hmm. Like who wants to be called that? Like when you really think about it, you're like, it's a cool legend, but it's kind of dark and pretty sad. Yeah. But he acknowledges that he is the Rouletteista partially because this man saw him and called him so. And I think that that is another Love. I agree with everything you said, but just mm-hmm. like that is another important level. The one last thing I want to ask slash say about it is did you see the elephant? Did you see the elephant on stage?
1: Um probably not now that you're saying that i I, I don't think I, I, I don't think I did actually because
0: so you know when they go through that montage and he asks a few of them if they saw the elephant and he's like, it was right before we kicked you out. The letters, when he takes them down, are in the shape of an elephant.
1: No fucking way. Are you serious? Oh, my God. I'm serious. I'm serious. Holy shit. If you. That's no fucking way. Okay. I thought that was just a metaphor. Are you kidding? Oh, my God. If
0: you go back and look at the section where he's, like, grabbing the letters from the top, right? Because he's about to. Yeah. Someone's about to be chosen to read the letter. Mm -hmm. The letters that are left are in the shape of an elephant.
1: That makes me so mad. I'm so upset. I know. I know.
0: The one thing I said after was, "I hope them PAs got paid well." I know. The PAs who had to run that brick to whatever fucking corner they had to run that brick to. I was like, "I hope." I I actually. I thought that was the funny.
1: I thought that was the funniest trick because I imagined exactly that. I imagined some poor fucking PA being like, like, "Oh
0: shit, gotta get to the (laughs) corner." We should move on. Yes. We should move on to post. Um,
1: Oh baby. All right. I, I got to say, first off, yes, <laughs> that Bjork's discography is massive. And not only is it massive, it is extremely variant. Yeah. So I want to ask first why do you think I chose Post? Because now that um, you've listened to it,
0: it's very like turn of the millennium, very like there's like listening to it, there are seeds of a lot of the music we listen to now in Mm -hmm. it. Like, I was like, okay, this track is, like, kind of literally where Gaga came from. This track kind of sounds like what James Blake is doing now. This track sounds like, you know, it's just, like, origin as a word. Yes. Which I think is an interesting word for it. It, it like, made a lot of sense when I was listening to it. I was like, okay, yeah, this is just, like, one of those things that's, like, if you're at all interested in music at some point, you're going to have to listen to
1: this album. Yes, and as you are, so... What did you think? How did this album? Okay, hit? okay, okay. I'm okay. sure you've got so, a lot of thoughts.
0: <laughs> so, I think I'm just going to do this for every album. Um, but last, last, I keep wanting to say last week, last mm-hmm. episode. Um, you know, I did that little one sentence summation of yeah. in rainbows, um, and so I think I'm just going to start calling this section "It's Giving." Post, it's giving the the essence of a light up multicolored dance floor. in in the middle of the woods that you can only get to, right, if you envision it in your mind's eye. My very, very, very first thought was, it happens a lot nowadays on TikTok, but you know the, like, meme of the indie singer, of, like, how indie singers sing? I was like, oh, okay, so what they're talking about is Bjork. Music-wise, I think my favorite thing about it was just the percussion. Obviously, you know I love hip-hop, you know I love house, you know I love, like, Anything to do with any of the variants on those, um, so the percussion was just really cool. I loved the theatricality of it. Um, there was one song, I think it's "Enjoy," where again, like I mentioned before, I was like, "Oh, okay." Like this is reminding me of Gaga, or Gaga reminds me of this. Like this is kind of where our sort of like weird art pop queens kind of came from, um, or at least this paved the way for for them in some respect
1: let me ask this specific question about Bjork because it feels like you have said like oh I I like the percussion um I really appreciate this I really like that like mm-hmm. on a more visceral like emotional level yeah do you like this album <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I
0: was I was thinking about that um yeah I think I do I feel like it's weird, you know, because I feel like it has all the components of an album that I would really, really love. You know, like when an album hits, like like there's like a mm-hmm. difference between like, oh, I really like this album. It's doing a lot of cool things that I enjoy versus like.
1: It's listening. It's listening to a Jacob Collier song and then listening to him cover Stevie Wonder.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, no exactly (laughs) we can't miss jacob collier every episode it's gotta be it's gotta
1: be a recurring meme it's gotta be
0: (laughs) but we cut we cut it out of the first one so we'll see we might leave that one in but uh (laughs) it really is so so i i to be completely honest i'm not i don't know i mean i think i think i definitely like it i definitely like the album is it something i would want to listen to again to like feel things I don't necessarily think so yeah but it, it's 100% an album I would like put in on the car like the windows down and just like vibe out you know what yeah. I mean I the lyrics so it's, it's not the lyrics are great like the, I so I don't know why I don't know why maybe it's like the way she's singing I don't mm-hmm. know why but um the lyrics are great and there's a lot about it that I really enjoy and I do think it is an emotional album like heavily an emotional album, um, but it didn't. I didn't uh, feel emotional about it. I wasn't yeah. like, oh, I feel like my life is ending. You know, which is how I like to feel. I like to feel yeah. like my life is
1: ending. <laughs> well, it's one of those things where you can really appreciate what she has done for the artist that you love, because we all know how we stand James Blake out here. We all know how we stand yeah. so much of what she has birthed and what you know she is the genesis point of. But at the same time, there is something extremely Particular about her voice, that for me at least, it took a really long time for me to really enjoy her music. Until one day on this random autumn day, I was sad and I threw it in, and I was biking in Philly with it in my ears. And instantly, I was like, oh, Bjork is now my identity.
0: I mean, there are definitely certain songs that I was like, I would sing this, you know, like, like they hit, like army of me is like, yeah, I want to scream that, mm-hmm. but it, but it's not like out of like, it's more so out of it just being like cool and less so out of me um, feeling it. If that makes no, any
1: sense, that makes a ton of sense. Okay. And I will, also add this that what an opener by the way but oh my god yeah i know it it, it just this the then the drop yeah as as someone
0: who as someone who's been told they complain too much i felt personally victimized which is maybe maybe (laughs) that maybe that's why but um but no it's it's sick it's Mm
1: -hmm. and i will also say this about post and bjork albums in general which i think some people actually get a little bit defensive about but ultimately she's just writing a lot of love songs And I think that she is just a master at them. Mm -hmm. And so much so that she writes them about really interesting ideas within love.
0: An example being
1: Hyper Ballad, where it's the idea of using your love for someone else as a cover for your own fear Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. self-hatred. Or my personal favorite, and maybe conceptually one of my favorite Bjork songs ever, is the Closer Headphones where she's writing about the love of her headphones because they give her a space to feel safe. And as a introvert music nerd who lives in my headphones, <laughs> I felt so seen. And I've never heard a song like that ever. It was it was so unique to hear an artist. Essentially I've never admit, heard a song like that ever. It, it essentially admits something like that. And especially at the end of an album like this where you're expecting such a bombastic Closer because it, what a it closer, comes in what an punch. opener, what a closer.
0: I feel like that song. <laughs> I feel like she went on the street and asked the first seventy-five people who passed by to like describe what they hear when someone says the word sound, and then she put it all in one song. <laughs> you know, like oh, she man. she turned yes, she turned yes, the yes, volume yes, yes. levels down so that it was quiet, but she put it all in one song. I, I think that song also felt the most relevant to in and of itself as yeah. well to me mm-hmm. um which i thought was cool as like a closer yeah i mean i think she's just doing a lot of interesting things here in terms of like points where things connect so at times again it feels like the woods but then at other times it literally like shit will sound like a fax machine and you're yeah. like what mm-hmm. is happening and then you're back into the woods on a cliff and it's just like this really cool thing and so it's like futuristic but then she'll throw in like some african drums so then it's like a little more ancient, a little more. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I hesitate to use the word primal, but I can't think of another yeah. word for it. It's um, just a very interesting, like, convergence of a whole bunch of things that she's managed to do in terms of a soundscape, you know? And to be able to, like, mm-hmm. fluctuate between those often, I think is really, really, really cool. And there are some, there are, like, hella club bangers on this album. Yeah. I was really upset that we're in a panty. I was like, I <laughs> want to. Go out and, mm. and go into a club in the middle of nowhere England and dance to this song. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do.
1: And it, it is really unique how she's able to bring all of these things together. A really clear example in my mind is the way she uses strings in a trip hop song, which I, I, I imagine that the day that like Tricky or Massive Attack heard her use that idea they were like what what are you talking about like this is yeah. a this is a trip-hop song and then she's like no the strings swell here and then that happened and they were like oh okay yeah that's correct and we don't know why that's we don't know why that's correct but that's definitely correct
0: yeah and she uses a lot of like she uses strings really smartly um one of the songs i think is isabel slash isolation has mm-hmm. um uh, a na 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 section i'm a sucker for a na 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 um, which is like something really cheesy that when done well is so cathartic. She, of course, which is like one thing that I feel like I kind of knew about Bjork. She is really good at using, again, the vocals as an instrument, right? So like mm. all of the operatic sounds, all of the vowel intonations that are sometimes syncopated, which slaps. Slaps. So, oh, that's um, so good! You know, there's um a lot of times she's talking about isolation, but then her her vocals will echo, and so it's like, are are you are you alone? You know, mm-hmm. is it yourself echoing, or is it supposed to be other people? And I think that that juxtaposition is super interesting. I want to know if you can guess my favorite song. <laughs> um, I
1: am going and my least favorite. <laughs> okay, well, least favorite will probably be i think it's it's either miss you or i i miss you um is my guess and then for your favorite i'm going to guess you've been flirting again
0: okay close those so those are two i would have to say maybe like i think those are both maybe my secondary favorites Mm -hmm. and least favorites my least favorite is cover me
1: Oh yeah, yeah, that's understandable. I think
0: it's just like it's it's great. It's I mm-hmm. mean, listen, listen, okay, listen, people. I love a I love a Gaelic sounding folk song. Okay, mm-hmm. give me give me all <laughs> of the folk from all of the the where the white peoples are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that shit slaps. It's just like very pretty and witchy, but it's just not giving what the other songs are giving. So I think just like my yes. process of elimination. Um, because I like every single song in this album. I think it's a stellar album. Um, and so I just in order, if I had to choose one. I do love You've Been Flirting Again because it reminds me of Broadway. Yes. Again, like yes, that's why I
1: guess that's why I guessed it. Yeah.
0: A different aspect of theatricality, right? So like not Gaga theatricality, but like Wizard of Oz theatricality. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's very, very um beautiful strings, nearly classical, super repetitive, but in a way that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful song. My favorite though, possibly maybe possibly maybe Ugh. it was like it starts with these like descending strings mm-hmm. that I well the descending like
1: the f- this descending sith chords followed by the descending strings, strings. yeah mm-hmm. and i think
0: that the the first time i've ever heard something like that was fallen alien by twigs Ooh. so like to hear it so to hear it again i was like oh yes this is like i'm strapped in for whatever mm-hmm. ride we are we are yeah, about yeah. to take um and then when the key changes and then it gets into, like, this, like, repeated, like, fucking skip. I don't even know what that is. Mm-hmm. But then it, like, that, like, repeated thing, and then it opens to this, like, sparse production with, like, operatic vocals, a lulling keyboard riff, and then, like, dub comes in, and you're just like, what yeah. is happening? <laughs> you know what's and crazy? Then, this
1: is my favorite song, too. I'm so happy so, you said be- this. And you
0: want to know why? Because yeah. this is the song where I was like, oh, James Blake. I think yeah. that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: I know. I know. I, I, yeah. <laughs>
0: This is the song where I was like, Oh, this mm-hmm. is just a James Blake like James Blake just makes Bjork music is yeah. basically what I mean.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, this that song I I in you know, I obviously re-listened to this album um which is weird because I I actually don't listen to this album a ton because I it's not this is gonna sound crazy. In my opinion, this is not her best album by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. It's really good mm-hmm. and it's in my opinion her best starting point, but it's not her best album. Right. However, possibly maybe is on so many of my playlists.
0: And so good.
1: it just floats in every time. And I'm just reminded how much I love this goddamn woman. Her music is pretty devastating to listen to a lot of the time. And it is funny to me how she's become so synonymous with like being queer and how it, all of my queer friends just fucking love her so much. It, it is it is funny because she's, she's super straight. She falls in that similar line of kind of artists that the queer community has adopted because they reflect reflect some form of pain and suffering in a way that resonates. And Mm -hmm. the queer community has latched onto Bjork very, very hard.
0: I don't know. I think that's really cool. You know, I I love to see that. Like Gaga's Mm -hmm. obviously, she holds that space now kind of for the most part. Um, And then I think Ariana Grande kind of slips in there a little bit, which is interesting. (laughs) Not what I would call close to Bjork at all. Yeah. Um, Bjork just seems really fucking cool.
1: <laughs> I adore Bjork so much. It, it's funny. It Last week with In Rainbows, In Rainbows holds a very special place in my heart. I, it reminds me a lot of high school because that's when I started listening to that album. But mm-hmm. Bjork has just stayed with me the whole time, man. Every There's a new album for every part of my life because Post was the first thing I got into. And then Vespertine yeah. as I got older. And... Homogenic, and there's just so many Bjork albums and so so much quality material across her entire discography. She's really an artist that rewards deep listening. Her use of melody and her ability as a singer to hit notes is so underrated. I think people always talk about how weird her voice is, but they don't recognize the work Weird is hard the the work she is putting in so it's a perfect starting point because at any point in her future discography you always have a touchstone you always be like oh this is kind of like her branching off of possibly maybe or oh this is like her branching off of army of me it it really follows through with the rest of her trajectory in a really fascinating spider web
0: yeah it is that's a really good it is a lot like a spider web on a dance floor in the woods that mm-hmm. you can only get to if you know a unicorn. Hell yeah! Yeah,
1: <laughs> or if you see a volcano erupt.
0: <laughs> or if you see a volcano erupt. Or if you can, or if you can speak in her her singing code, maybe that's it. Like yeah. the password is in her music. You just have to be able to understand it and sing it back to her.
1: Are we good to um, talk about what's up for next episode?
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's move on. Let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about next week.
1: So. Since Um, we'll be starting with music, yeah. So, since we'll be starting with music, I already hinted at this earlier, but in order to just get in my head, I was thinking, what albums do I want Nadir to listen to that she probably hasn't? There's this trifecta of albums that are all incredible, or artists, I should say, that are all incredible, and the internet has just memed the death out of them. And Mm -hmm. I think at times people don't want to listen to the music because it's so memed. But the music is worth listening to. So we started with Radiohead. Now we went to Bjork. And I'm finishing off this list before we kind of dive into different waters. Specifically with The Money Store by Death Grips. This album is so unique. And especially for the time it came out, so challenging. In my opinion, they're the first true band of kind of the internet age.
0: Oh, fascinating. It's
1: a really important touchstone this, I'm, I'm just purely, I don't know what your reaction is going to be. And that is what is so thrilling to me.
0: <laughs> so in preparation for this, because we've been trying to, to match the movie to the albums in some way, not in a very strong sense, but in some way. And Ben sent me one song by Death Grips and I listened to 15 seconds of it, I think, and felt um, an incredible sense of male toxicity. And so because <laughs> of that, <laughs> because of that, I, I sort of, I knew that Tarantino was where we had to go next, right? Now, which Tarantino film I think is, was the, was the question I struggled with in terms of like their history or at least how you feel about Death Grips. I think a lot of the things are similar. Someone who's incredibly memed but yeah. was truly incredibly groundbreaking and also a little fucked up <laughs> like, yeah. right yeah, yeah, yeah and i think i know you've already seen pulp fiction and so i think that would would have been like the one yeah um and so the other question was do i go with what i think is probably besides pulp fiction the best or do i go with the first and i think it just makes sense to go with the first so reservoir mm. dogs is dogs. the first tarantino film and people have been yeah, telling me to watch that movie forever <laughs> It's the first Tarantino film I have ever seen. I'm almost positive it's, like, his first, like, Tarantino film. Yeah. And so I think they will hopefully go hand in hand. I and have a I'm super a excited feeling, to hear what you think about this. Yeah,
1: I have a feeling that this is going to be a very perfect match.
0: And I could firmly say that I think that that is post, and that is in and of itself off the list. All right. Sick. See you guys in the next two weeks. I'm a little Izzybert from... Philadelphia! (laughs) (laughs) That should be the closer of everyone. Off the list is made by Ben and me, Nadira. Our artwork is by Rebecca Pearson, and our music is by Cedric Hawkeyes.